When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thank you for having us in your offices. This is very exciting for me. That's very grown up. It's so (laughs) corporate. (laughs) We have such a selection of sweatshirts on the wall. What is what's with all those sweatshirts in the corner? They are all that was from a bit. It was. We did. We had a we had a special. We had a Christmas special. Yeah, and we sold the we sold the sweatshirts to benefit this organization that does social Uh services for right. Migrant families, they're actually very attractive sweatshirts, and you should all take one. Sure. Well, we'll, we'll pay for them to give it, you know, no, for a good I'll cause. I'll just pocket that money. <laughs> no. Um, I know, oh my God, this is the most, this is the most hideous room. It's I've lovely. forced you to do a podcast in Listen, the worst on, looking room. On audio, it looks beautiful. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's the most beautiful room you can imagine. <laughs> I hope so. Mm. <laughs> How's the sound check doing? Are we good? Are we ready to go? David Tennant does a podcast with Samantha B. Well, Samantha, thank you very much for having us in your offices. Thank it's you. very quiet here. It's quiet. I it's thought a... it would be, you know, you're sort of as you come towards Wednesday night, I thought mm-hmm. people were running up down corridors waving pieces of paper importantly. Well, you always think that a comedy room is going to be like basketball hoops and yeah. people are just like doing pinball. Yeah. Um, but we don't have a show. We don't have a show this week. We have a show oh, next week. Oh, you don't week. have one this week. Yeah, oh. no. So this is a period of slow return to work and reflection about the future. Okay. <laughs> yeah. There's always a long, we had a long break and then we tried to make the break ever so much longer by not working or thinking too hard. So now right. we're back in thinking. I imagine mode. a show like this, the approaching deadline is, mm-hmm. is kind of the impetus for we're getting all, stuff done. Yes, we're all last minute people right, on some right. level. We are all those kind of, you know, we like, we cram for exams here. Right. So we do it all. Right yeah, right sure. Yeah. <gasps> so February 2016, the first full episode of yes. Full Frontal mm-hmm. yes. goes out. Yes. Three years later, the world, I'd say, in the US in particular, oh. is in a very different place. Yes. But are all the stuff that's happened in the interim, it's it's particularly fertile ground, one mm-hmm. would have to say, for a political satirist. Are you conflicted by the fact that oh. all the shit that's going on gives you loads yes. of material? No, it's terrible. Yeah. This is not <laughs> this is a horrible no, this is a terrible situation. When we started in February of twenty sixteen, everything was so fun and Ben Carson was getting lost backstage and he couldn't find his luggage and Donald Trump was a candidate and that's just ridiculous on its face so dumb so dumb and then really everything changed in November you could really feel it was there any part of you that on election night 2016 was thinking this is a bloodbath for the country but oh my goodness the stuff we're going to get out of this well Actually, there was no part of me that felt that way. I felt that way in the election cycle leading up to the election. I definitely was praising Satan every day for the beautiful bounty, the cornucopia of delights that he was providing us with. But on actual election night, it was something that is so bad. Can I say it? Sure, you can say whatever you like. Oh, my God. I was following stuff on, you know, we were following social media and we were slowly descending into hell, like personal hell on election night as the results were coming in. And someone sent me a photograph of myself like hanging from a tree dead. And I thought, oh, my God, like my social media started to fill up with the most insane messages from people who had hated the show all along but never reached out. And suddenly it was a tidal wave of imagery and horrendous language in my social media field. And I I felt like you mean gloating. Gloating. It was so, yes, yes. It was so negative. And I really felt in that moment that we were, that there was like, there was a danger or the air was so toxic. It was really thick. And I thought, this is a whole new, you know, it's very, it's one thing to talk about a presidential candidate in a humorous way. It's one thing to, to be like, oh, you're going to take a poop in the Potomac. Like, ha 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 ha. But it's quite a different matter to Mm. speak about a 
president that way or that is uncharted territory so much in, in some way right now. like we had george w but i mean obviously he was a disaster too but this was felt like such an impending even bigger disaster it was mm-hmm. the hindenburg for sure and did you because obviously you're following as part of your job you're following mm-hmm. the news forensically yes yes did you not see it coming I, you know, people now upon reflection are telling me that I did see a coming, but I buried that in my soul. There was a period of time I did a whole bunch of shooting in Pennsylvania. I took a, we did a bus tour of Pennsylvania. We were interviewing people and I didn't meet in the entire state. And we talked to, I talked to a lot of people and I didn't meet a single human being from any walk of life who would say that they were voting for Hillary Clinton and right. everybody reminds me that I came home from that trip and said I think we're in tr- I think we are in tr- right. trouble here this feels very bad and then I forgot about that but my husband called it from the very beginning did he, he really? knew and he would go to parties and people would talk about it and that kind of thing oh could you even imagine a Donald Trump will be president he yeah. was like get used to it say it Say it out loud, President Donald Trump. And why did be he, saying it a lot. Why did he think, what, what was his... He has a great, he just under, I don't know, he just, he saw it. I don't, he saw it before anybody and people really made fun of him. He was a pariah at dinner parties, let me tell you. Right. People well, you're were like, not happy. Just, just, just leave it with the your Donald husband. Trump stuff. Oh my God, your husband's ridiculous, yeah. right? He's ruining our dinner party. <laughs> <laughs> but he was right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, get him out of here. Yeah. I mean, in the sort of shitstorm that yeah. you're in. And we have it too back home. We have, we have oh my Brexit. God, of we're course doing, you do. Really you guys are doing well. great. We're doing great, yeah. <laughs> Everything's yeah. so smooth and easy yeah. where you are from. We love it. Mm. We're so proud. So um, fun. But of course, we did it first. You I remember did. I, I came to the, the US a couple of times post-Brexit, mm-hmm. pre-Trump, and yeah. people received like, you stupid, what is your country doing? <laughs> so openly laughing at us. Yeah. <laughs> no. Not that I wanted the, the you know, the, the, the books to be balanced, but it does feel a little bit like we all uh, missed yeah. it. Right we all, we, I think that's, it's a cascading. Yeah. It's a cascading effect. Is it hard to find balance in doing your show or do you not even feel the need to? I don't feel the need to. <laughs> sure. I'm solid. Yeah. I feel pretty good. I actually, like, we don't have, you know, it, it, we're a comedy show, so we don't have access to anybody. No one will talk to us no matter what we do, so we don't have to abide by the same rules the, the as everybody else. Have any rules we don't have to, or... we don't have to have those false equivalencies that exist everywhere else in the proper media. We don't have to pretend. Right. We can just, it's an opinion based show and it's yeah. a topical opinion based angry show. I can say whatever I want within reason. Yeah. So how do you keep plugged in? Cause are you spending all day every day kind of waiting for the next story? And we know? are very plugged in. And if we're not, you know, if we're not individually plugged in, the show is, pl- everybody's watching. We're all. What are news you doing? Junkies. Is it Twitter? Is it cable news? Are you everything? Some people all are on cable news. I don't watch cable news all the time. I think that's, that would turn me, that would make me delirious. Yeah. That would cause great derangement. But there are people in the office who strictly watch cable news. We definitely. Job? Yeah, it's just a part of being aware of whatever everybody mm. is saying out there. But it is easier now to receive their messaging in soundbite form to mm. you know on social media but we're always on social media all the time i actually have had a very busy day so i don't know what's happening in the world right oh, now right because yeah, it happens as, uh, fast right now it happens very fast yeah. it's two o'clock literally anything could have happened i was just in a yeah. meeting for an hour maybe we're at war i yeah, don't sure. I mean, probably sure. so what possible. is your news feed of choice i actually i do love twitter you do as a news feed i do love it I, I think it's great. It's healthy. It's balanced. It's healthy. It's It's, it's reason to be. It's a really, yeah. it's, it's, it's a calming influence. I don't personally participate in it too much, but I do appreciate that it is a constant streaming right. news source and source of just terrible aggravation. It's but awful. So you're an observer, brother. You don't get stuck in. Do you I don't get... get stuck in it. I don't. I don't. I turned all my notifications off. I do not get involved. Okay. I let people say whatever they want to say, and I don't. I don't care. Does that take a force of will sometimes? It does. You have to be very smart. You have to be very smart about it. Yeah. I'm very smart about it. No, you? I... <laughs> do you have people who hide your phone? I did have that. Actually, after election day, uh, people took my phone away and they changed my Twitter password yeah. so that I right. couldn't oh, really? see it. Yep. Because it is, it's quite a giddy time for someone yes. who's into the news, who's following the news. Yes. There's a sort of... 
that's like in a box set kind of yes. just one more what happens next for sure they definitely changed my password now i am responsible with it and so i have my password back i've been permitted really? if i wish right. but i i understand that it's not my role to peruse what people are saying about me oh, that's about not yourself? no no, sure. no way god no. Uh, that way absolute no, madness thank you. have you done that in the past have oh, you fallen yes. down rabbit holes of self-hatred of course right but i learned from that that yeah. was punishing that it's was brutal bad. i mean brutal. The, the, it's a brutal time in social media it's yeah so i don't as long as i keep a separation I think yeah. I can I can live. So how many times a day are you checking your phone to see what's happening? Just constantly. No, I don't, I, I don't have it with me right now, so I, I won't. You yeah. Know, I don't. I really, I truly don't know what's happening right. today. I imagine I a lot does, of terrible things. But does things. that make you twitchy? No, because we don't have a show this week, so I actually can take a so little. So you can breathe. I can breathe a little bit. Because, you know, often we'll have a we'll have a show ready to go and then something will change in the news that yeah. is a complete pivot off of what yeah. we wanted to talk about. Well, if Hillary had won, what do you think you'd be doing shows about? What a bad president she is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, we would have tons of, we would have tons of funny material about her. It would be slightly more challenging. I will give you that, but she's an imperfect person and a mm. wonky weirdo. So there would have been tons to talk about with her. And of course, there's a whole broad world out there that we could be. Do you think that's do why she lost? Do you think it was her? Do you think Hillary just wasn't the right person? Or do you think the world was just in this populist, crazy? I think this populist fever, I think not quite enough people voted. And we have the electoral colleges and we have gerrymandering and we have like a lot of different features to the electoral system that all kind of misfired all at once. Yeah. So listen... Being on TV as a TV personality has value here. Yeah. <laughs> they will make you president. Yeah. Well, listen. <laughs> they will when, do you, give, when do you start your yeah, run? They will give you the job that you definitely don't want. There's yeah. no way that he wanted this job. Truly. No. No. But he's digging in. He doesn't want to give oh, it up. he's digging no. in. I mean, yeah, whatever. Are you running out of new names for Donald Trump? Or does that the gift That's that keeps endless. on giving? That's the gift that we just keep an ongoing Google Doc. <laughs> you do? Yeah. You can just dip of into course. it anytime. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I particularly liked Hateful Vortex of Hot Tub Gonorrhea. Isn't that, that was nice? a beautifully it's crafted. Beautiful. Yeah. It's, it's so apt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do, you, do you have writers uh, that are particularly good at that? Do you have yes, we the do. go to name guys? For sure. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, we have Google Docs on numerous figures, I would say. I think we have one. I'm sure we still have an ongoing one for Ted Cruz. Sure. Yes, he is well, terrific. He's a hilarious figure. He's wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> They're all hilarious figures, whether they know it's so powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's very dense writing, though, isn't it? I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot of jokes, and there's a lot of material getting burned up very fast. It goes fast. Yeah, yeah. we only have 21. I mean, the show's only 21 minutes long. Yeah, but you talk for most of those minutes. I do. Yeah, I know. It's probably very annoying. I do speak very quickly. That, I like to get to it. Yeah, like which to. is great. But they, they, that that must give you a kind of quality control challenge. Just being over all those words. I mean, that's well, we always write the show really fat yeah so okay, okay yeah and then we're trying to squeeze it into 21 minutes so we go in with the intention that we'll just like we'll we'll start with too much material and then we'll just squeeze okay. it to fit perfectly it does feel like you personally are very connected to the things yeah you talk about yes the whole show has to be real right. i don't want to do like i don't I can honestly say that I'm not in the in, I'm not in this business to just be because I just want to be a performer doing a comedy show. Right. It's really super intentional, and when I don't want to do it anymore, I will stop. Right. So you do you you are a crusade a crusader as well. I That's guess part so. Of what you're doing. I think you know when I started this, I was I don't even know how I'm turning fifty this year. So whatever age I was when we started the forties, I don't know. I don't remember. Um, but I thought for sure that we would get canceled after six episodes because I thought, like, who will ever watch this show with this angry lady who nobody's ever seen before doing all this fast material? Like, nobody's going to want this. So let's just do it. Uh-huh. Let's just fire ourselves out of a cannon and do a show for six great hot episodes. And right. then we'll just always know that we had this project that we really loved. And we felt great about it. And we left it all on the floor and we walked away. Yeah. And so I kind of, in a weird way, see every show like that. I think that's just part of the process. 
I, I need to love the material. I need to care about the thing or there's no point in doing it. Do you have to keep checking yourself then? Because I would imagine if you get so moved by things, mm-hmm. so furious about things. Yeah. Do you have to keep going, hang on, we're forgetting to be funny as well? Yes, for sure. Right. It's always a balance. It happens. You know, sometimes the show topples over into something that is not funny and then it's just strident and I'm sort of a mess. And so that doesn't work. But, you know, it's like it's, it's an experiment too. I understand when we've strayed too far and we need to right. – and I know that I should have not done it or I should have pulled it back a little bit because it went into the – dove into the precipice and just wasn't funny anymore and was just too much for everyone. So do you spend a bit of Thursday going back on the show from no, the night before? And you don't, never. No, you I don't. cancel and continue. I'm very blessed by not being too self-reflective. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care that much. Like, I, there's no. It's good because another show comes so rapidly; it's almost becomes like triage. Mm. So there isn't a lot of time on Thursday to think. Oh, I wish that I'd thought more clearly about that. Right. So it's more a, a feeling that occasionally wakes me up in the night, and I think, oh, okay, okay, fine. I get the message, universe. Okay, fine. Right. But in terms of making the show happen you always have to be kind of thinking what's the next thing you can't celebrate yourself too much Mm. and you can't lament your non-successes too much it's just it's always moving which Mm. is how i like it i don't want to sit around and worry too much well, talking of worry, yeah, I I did a bit for your show uh, yes. from a car park in Dorset. Yes, uh, this was in uh, June 2016. That's right. Uh, Donald Trump had visited Turnbury. Yes, just before he uh, just before the election, mm-hmm. uh, and the Scottish people, as was their wont, tweeted about him, and yes. there was he was described as a ludicrous tangerine ball bag, a toupee fuck trumpet, etc., etc. <laughs> And I read these out for you. Uh, yes, it was um, so funny. Which was which I was delighted to be able to do. I didn't think anything more about it, other uh-huh. than I was very honoured to be involved. The next time I flew to America, he'd uh-huh. become president. Oh. And I got pulled aside. Oh, <gasps> you did And they not. went through my suitcase and I got extra screening. And the next time I flew to America was with my family. My son got taken out of line, went through his suitcase. And I, for a second, thought, Oh, oh, hang on. This is this is chilling. This can only be. Right. I went straight to paranoia. Sure. This can only be. There are, of course, all the, 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 the security people are going, it's random, it's random. But if right. something comes up on your boarding pass, it's like a four S's or something. Okay. S-S-S-S. Oh, great. four S's. Was it four S's? That's good. And it comes up on your boarding pass, and that means you're, and there's a little, there's sort of a few on each flight it happens to. No, it hasn't happened since. Maybe it okay. was. Maybe it was nothing. Maybe you were like, was... I shouldn't have called him a fuck trumpet. Well, I did sort of think. Oh, no. Is this the world we're in now? Sure. And do you ever have moments, because these are powerful people, mm-hmm. that you are calling a fuck trumpet on television. Sure. Do you ever have pause and going, is this wise? I do. Right. And I think I have good reason to, uh-huh. because I do. they are very vindictive. And I do think that... Oh, it's funny that you asked me this question because I actually was speaking to someone today and I really can't say what the circumstances are. I'm not at liberty to say, but I do think that they actually use their levers of power in a totally inappropriate way and that they would not hesitate to do so. I just think that they're poorly organized and that we all benefit from that in the end. And if we just ride this out, they Uh will not get it together to be too punitive. But if they could, they for sure would. I truly, truly believe that. Alana Harkin, who was a correspondent on this show, was pulled aside at Customs and they spoke to her about the show and made Uh her stand there while they were very extremely unpleasant about it right. at the border for sure and it does happens. that make but does that make you more determined to speak truth to power or does it well it doesn't stop doesn't yeah stop no it do. doesn't stop i mean this is what we do this is what yeah. we do we yeah. won't do it forever but this is what we do for yeah. now and this is our this is our job presumably you have lawyers and you have people checking that you're on the right Everything side thing is you always have to be on the right side of the uh, of the legalities of things for sure yeah we're 
very careful. Does that often limit what you do? Do you do you think, no, I want to be able to say this or do this or? Oh, yeah. We always rail against it. I mean, but there are certain things we've tried to get. I mean, we had, we, we fight over the strangest things in standards and practices. We had a whole thing where we were showing a, an, a baby rhino being born. It was a, like an elephant birth out of a giant elephant's vagina. And I think that we had trouble passing that through standards and practices. Oh, so that's what you have trouble with. Yeah, this is what we have vagina. trouble with. Elephant's sure. vaginas and things come up every week on the show that we are not permitted to do. And we kind of, we know, we've put it in, but you can't mention, you know, there are certain things that you can't do. It's mm. a very few. It, it, do you have quite a good sense things. of when you're right on the edge? We have a very good sense. And right. even now, we have such a good sense of it that even still we'll leave something in a script and we'll be like, this will never pass legal in right. a million years. But let's just say it out loud in rehearsal and love it. Right. <laughs> do you sometimes do something in the studio just to hear the audience react and then know that you have to take out? We never do it for the audience, but sometimes I often do stuff in the studio just for, we'd have a rehearsal early in the day. And oh, I see. We'll yeah. often try material in a just big empty room. It, just to, for the exorcism of it. To purge it and to think, okay, how does this sound in a big space? Because it sounds really funny when we're all reading it in a, in a tight circle, but how does it sound when you project it across loudspeakers in a big open space uh-huh. and lots of times you go no uh, no uh, right no we're not gonna can't do that <laughs> <laughs> did but, you always have a sense <laughs> growing up were you always connected to the world and current affairs and i would say so okay. yes i didn't think that it was going to be my job okay i had no uh no in no way would i have ever thought it would be a job for me but it was just a kind of a thing growing up in camp. my grandmother we would watch television on Sunday nights. We always watched 60 Minutes. So right. proper investigative journalism was just something that I always really loved. And, and I really, really it. loved and responded to it even as a kid. And so that continued through my whole life. So how different is Ontario to New York? You grew up in Ontario. I did. I grew up right? in Toronto. It's completely different. I love it here. I'm a dual citizen of two nations uh-huh. now. I love it here. My when, children were born here. So when you're, here. Did, you, did America always seem like where mm. you wanted to end up? Did no, it feel like not big at shiny? all. No. It was not a grand ambition of mine. It was, it seems like a natural progression, but it seemed vaguely impossible. And Toronto has a pretty robust performing arts industry. So I thought that I would stay there. This is... This was an interesting development in my life. There, I guess when I came here, when I first came to New York, I thought, oh, I'll live here one day. And then I put that thought in a little tiny box in my heart, and I never thought about it again. Uh, and then when I moved here, I went, oh, my God, I called it when I was 20. This seems to be a a, a theme. You're yeah. like with Trump. You kind of knew it, and then you forgot about it. Yes, you yes. lock it away. I do. I lock it. I have like a little tiny lockbox You should listen heart. to that inner voice because it know, speaks I know. some truth, clearly. <laughs> do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girlie? <laughs> some peasant Coke? No. Or how does Sofia Vergara order a pizza? No, nothing. No tomatoes. I cannot eat tomatoes. tomatoes? Yes. Are you killed mushrooms? Not really. Okay. <laughs> if these are the details you need, and I know you do, I have the podcast for you. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and on my podcast, Dinners on Me, I take some notable friends of mine out to dinners in Los Angeles and New York City. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. That thing was delicious. It does. So what kind of kid were you? I was an only child. Okay. So I was adult-ish at an early age. What did your parents do? My parents, my dad worked in, he was he was a computer guy and my mother worked for the government. But I was actually raised by my grandmother quite okay. a bit. Right. And she worked at the Catholic school that I attended. I was so Were you serious. religious? I was for the early-ish part of my life. Did you want to be a nun? I never wanted to be a nun. Oh, never? Never. But I did want to marry Jesus, which (laughs) I guess is being a nun in some ways. I suppose a sort of dirty nun. Sort of. Sort of sexy nun. nun. Sexy nun. Yeah. Um, I loved Jesus for sure. But in my brain, Jesus was like Kenny Loggins. He was cool. Okay. He was not serious. He got it. You know what I mean? Um, And then, (laughs) oh, God. And then I, after eighth grade, transitioned out of Catholic school, and I thought, that actually is not for me. Okay. 
So we're all set. Right. That was a good experience. Great education. Thank you Thank so you. much. But now I'll just focus on Kenny Logan's. Thank himself. you. Now I am free to go after what I want in life. Right. In the Logans. <laughs> in the Logan sphere. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think I was serious. I was studious for sure. Right. Definitely like Catholic gold star. Always, I'm still always looking for that gold star. Okay. So you were clever. You did well in your exams. I did. Were you making people laugh then? I was, but quietly. Not like, I'm not a class clown. I'm not. Not at all. Not at all. Extrovert? Not in the least. No. Total introvert. Very. Really? I know I'm not, I don't seem shy to you right now, but this is my, I understand microphone stuff. Like I get it and I'm so happy to be meeting you. Yeah. But normally, I'm really quiet. I'm always the quietest person in the room. I just don't electrify rooms. No one would ever... I took my daughter away for her 13th birthday. We stayed at a big hotel full of people. Uh In no world would anybody in that hotel, the the entire people's sphere of the hotel, would anyone think, that chick's on TV? (laughs) There's no way. It's like normal, normal, low-key, quiet, quiet jokes. Okay, you could recognize the power of being funny, but you weren't kind of... Yes. Okay. Yes. I I like to subvert things, but in a small circle of people. I liked... I was a fan of comedy. Right. I watched tons of... Who were you loving as a kid? Who were you... I loved Carol Burnett, and I loved... um, I loved... I love I loved Lucille Ball sure. and I loved SCTV and I loved Monty Python. Right. I've probably seen The Life of Brian more than any other single f- movie. Right. Um, right. You know, those things were all I loved sketch. I watched SNL. It just was I just loved it. And did you know then that's what you wanted to do? No. Right. I went through a, a whole bunch of different career ideas. I thought I'd be an attorney one day. Nobody, oh, okay. nobody in my family ever went to college. And so uh-huh. I did go to, so I did, of course. And I thought, well, what do you do when you go to college? You become an attorney, I guess. And you were clever enough. You could have done I th- that. I could have done it. And sure. I thought, and then right at the end, right at that, the beginning of the process where you would take the exam to get into law school, I thought, well, I'll just take a theater class and see, that'll be easy. And it just completely changed all of my oh. ambitions. My family was so horrified. Got it. God damn gutted. it. Please. Because yeah. <laughs> you went to university in Montreal. I did. And then transferred to Ottawa, right? Yes, I did. So then you, you start performing at university. I started there. And right. then I thought, this is what I, I will be a fine, I will be a wonderful, I will be a great actress. A great classical actress. I will actress. be a classical okay. actress. I will play Lady Macbeth. Right. I will wow the crowds yeah. at the Stratford Festival. This is my ambition. And every time I performed things, people would laugh. <laughs> oh, it's so horrible. The universe actually told <laughs> I mean, me. You were trying what? to be... Desperately serious. Oh, desperately serious for a long time. And I never, no one ever hired me for anything. I usually think I'm not, I think I'm pretty good, I'm not bad, but it's not how the world sees my face does too much. I'm too in my body. I do too much with my face. You know, it's not. So what were the parts you were doing at university that made you feel like you could be? Oh, I, what? did I do? I did like a lot of Sam Shepard and okay. I did Tom Stoppard and I really loved all of that. Right. I mean, I guess that was comedic. Right. So that made a lot of sense. But I thought that I would leave, you know, everybody tells you you're so great in theater school. Everybody loves you in theater school. And then you go out into the real world and you just join this huge ocean of other similarly talented people. And it's very hard to get work. So I really didn't find myself, I think, as a performer until I started doing comedy just for the love of comedy. So you, so in university, you'd stand up and things like that. There was not, you weren't even considering. Not that. even considering comedy, not right. at all. I thought that I would become a very serious actress, and okay. that's really what I wanted to do. I left theater school, did not work. It was tragic. It was uh-huh. really such a come down from the experience of being in school, which was so fun and, and invigorating. And if there was a very difficult period of time, and then I started doing comedy just because I like comedy. I mean, really, people in my life forced me to do it. So like a hobby rather just than... Just as a hobby. Yeah. And that doing comedy as a hobby opened up a whole world for me because I started getting work. I actually started right. just working as an... I became a working actor because I had something that I truly loved in my life. And so I didn't care. You know, I would come to auditions and be relaxed uh-huh. because I was fulfilling 
my need right. to be a performer. I was very fulfilled in one area of my life, so I didn't care about any of the other stuff. And so sad, but as soon as you stop caring about yeah, getting course, work, everyone wants, everyone to, give wants to give you jobs, sure. which is what happened. Sure. So yeah. it's awful because I meet young actors now, and I'm like, well, all you have to do is not care at all if anyone hires yeah, you. The easiest thing <laughs> the in the world. The easiest thing in the world. Just so was there a moment? Was there a moment when you were heartbroken? You thought, "I'm, I'm not going to be Glenda Jackson." This Definitely. Is- oh my gosh, for sure. I was about to. I, I was actually on the, on the precipice of quitting performing entirely. Right. I thought I'll still do comedy because I love, just because I love it and because I find it very fulfilling. But I need to make more money. Like I need sure. to have. I want to have a life. I was married by then. We had bought a house. We had a nice setup, but I did know that I wanted more out of life. I wanted to be able to pay eat. for my house yeah. and eat. Yeah. And think I had ambitions outside of yeah. being an impoverished. And your husband was a performer too. Mm-hmm. But was yes. he was he doing better than you? He or? was. Yeah, okay. he was. He's very handsome. Sure, so, I've know, seen pictures. Yeah, I've seen him on the TV. Handsome right. jobs. And so I thought, oh, I'll give up, you know, I'll give up acting and then I'll, I'll just, I'll do comedy just for fun and just because I enjoy it. And then I got hired by The Daily Show, my last audition that I thought this will be my last professional audition, the best audition of my life for sure, because I loved The Daily Show. Yeah. They came to Toronto. That was very random. But they came to you. They came to my city. Uh I thought this is my chance to do the best possible version of myself to, to just this is my last, I want to, I'll go out with a bang. This will be my greatest audition. I won't get the job. That's ridiculous. But I want to walk away from that experience feeling like I couldn't have left it anymore on the floor. Yeah. I couldn't have done a better job and I did. And then they hired me and then everything changed. What, you, what is an audition for the Daily Show? What do you, what do they make you it do? It was so easy. It actually was not at all a reflection of what the, it, they have a very skewed audition process, uh-huh. which I'm very grateful for in retrospect. They really just had me read a script that they had done on the show that I had seen as a fan of the show. I knew the segment. I had seen the segment a couple of times, actually, in rerun. And so when I came to perform the script that I had already seen Stephen Colbert do... I mean, really, so it's a bit the show. Yeah, it was just like they had already done it. It was a bit that was already in the show. It was just a stand-up. I think it was related to... We had a SARS outbreak in Toronto. I think it was... The, about the SARS outbreak. And so I was really familiar with Like the a piece to camera? Or yeah, a piece to camera. It was so easy. It was the easiest audition. Why and were you so good? What did you I get knew right? The sh- I knew the show. People who were auditioning beside me did not know it, but I knew it because I was obsessed with it. I, right. l- I loved it. It was my favorite show uh-huh. that I would make great sacrifices in my life to make sure I never missed an episode because right. I loved it. And so I knew it and everybody else showed up with like their hat collection and they were like, which hat should I wear? I was like, oh, the cowboy hat. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, right. I just knew. The so m- everyone else came to audition for SNL. Basically, sure. And you came, I knew you the material. Knew the I knew the material. I knew the tone. I really did understand but that the was the whole process. Yeah. Ridiculous. It feels so like they weren't taking it very seriously. No, not that they didn't choose correctly. Don't, no, don't I mean, get me wrong. They chose perfectly. No, yeah. but they did not understand uh, how to properly audition people, which, again, I, I benefited from greatly. Because if they'd they asked ha- me they, to do. They, they had to bring someone back from Canada or. They didn't, but they were very. They were really looking for a woman. They had a, a really okay. hard time retaining female talent at that show, and they were out of ideas. You know, can I be honest? They just wanted someone who looked like, who understood the show, but looked like, oh, this is so bad, but who looked a little bit busted. Like you have been in this business who had like a a look of like weariness, who understood the material, but also looked like a journalist who'd been around the block. You're saying what you got they the were, joke cuz you looked a little tired. Is I that think what you're saying? So. I, I think there was a weary I think there was a weariness or a worldliness, a world weariness that I brought to it because I was world weary and giving up on my career. So I it had that right it had that that proper chemistry. So what, how long ago what age were you? I was 33. Okay. I, I was 33. Yeah. Right. And ready my, to chuck it all in. Ready to chuck it. It was my Jesus year. 33. Right. Right. So, yeah, I was ready to I was ready to check it for sure. And you're already married. You don't have kids yet. 
We did not have children yet, no. But Um, you both moved to New York? We did. Well, Jason stayed a little bit longer because we both for sure thought I was going to get fired. And so, (laughs) (laughs) you know, all those Canada conversations that you have, I was like, okay, here's the deal. And he was like, I'm reading your mind. I'm keeping the house. We'll make sure that it's solid before we make any crazy moves. And so I moved without him. He kept the house going. And then I was going back and forth for six months to a year, really trying to. And then once it seemed like we were in a good place, he permanently moved out too. It was really, it was very hard. I didn't know anybody here. I did not know a single soul. So I wandered around by myself a lot. Did you you just got like a little apartment somewhere? I just got a little studio near the studio because I didn't even know. Where else would you go? The city, really. So I lived really close to the to the studio and I just honestly walked back and forth to work. All I just, I just worked and kept my nose to the grindstone. For and did sure. you, did, was it everything you hoped? Did you love it? Or was it a bit, did I you did feel a little it. bit lost? I was lost. I, you know, it's with any, when you join a cast and crew that is a well-oiled machine and very well established, it's all, it's very intimidating. It's, it's insane to be just this lady from Canada who does a little bit of comedy on the side to suddenly being in a studio with people who you consider to be titans of comedy and people mm. who you've admired forever. It mm. takes a minute to catch up to that. Were it you a bit me, starstruck amongst For them? sure. It took me a long time to catch up to the fact that I got the job. I would right. say I didn't feel comfortable really for probably two years. Right. I faked it. I thought, okay, this is, I understand I, I just have to fake it until I make it. Right. And then I did. So on The Daily Show, you developed this sort of, this niche of the, 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 doing the awkward interview, didn't you? You would sort of, you'd yes. ask you'd ask the unaskable questions to mm-hmm. people, usually to highlight some kind of hypocrisy or double sure. standard or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is quite a ballsy thing to have to do. It is. Did that, I mean, would you, did you have to develop that, perso- that persona? Because you've, you've described yourself as quite shy. Yes. And yet that's very much the opposite of what is required. It is. But I'll tell you what, you know what it relates back to is being a gold star student oh, yeah. and a good Catholic school girl uh-huh. and knowing what the job is. Okay. And so I just understood that I could get through it faster and bring home the right interview if I just did the hard work in that moment. Like, right. I just understood what the job was. I understood what my role was and I was fine with it. So, so you never had the fear of, I, 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 I always I had the fear. Of course. Right. I always had the fear. I was always really nervous. You feel it in the pit of your stomach. But I think that when you're interviewing someone who is doing, who has some power over other people and is misusing their power over other people right. in some way, then when you're feeling the tension in your body is the exact time to step on the gas. Right. And I, I got that. So it was a sense of moral righteousness that got you through. Yeah. Right. I understood. The show changed too. The show evolved over time. When I first started there, it was it was already evolving when I got there, but I was really a part of the evolution into just more serious material. In the early days, it, they had more fun with people who were not maybe at full capacity. You know what I mean? There was Okay. The tone was really different and I arrived there just as that was changing and we're kind of thinking more broadly about the role that we wanted to play in the world. And I was part of the transition where we really kind of stopped punching down I and see. started punching up. The Daily Show in the years that you were on it particularly, it was, it was hugely important it, and mm-hmm. arguably created a type of TV show. Mm-hmm. It certainly created a type of performer like yourself. Like, For sure. Like I mean, John Stephen, Oliver and Stephen Colbert. Well, Stephen Colbert really... I think he is really the originator of the kind of serious correspondent, right. wry person. I mean, that really, you know, at The Daily Show, we were all kind of doing a Stephen Colbert impression, right. at least when we started out. So do you think without that, you wouldn't have ended up here? It definitely opened up this world. And you think it was Stephen Colbert more than John Stewart that was the no, kind no, of... No, no, It was, there were, I mean, obviously it was John, but... Stephen really kind of created the character of the correspondent. I you see know, what you mean. John's yes, the host. Yes, That's different. Yes, but yes. Stephen really created the character that I was playing. Right. If that makes any sense. And there, he was in character, though, wasn't he? Whereas you were more of a version of yourself. Well, was that fair, or did you feel like you were I, quite? I felt like I was quite deep in character. Pretty deep in character. Okay. Pretty deep in character. Yeah. Uh, at least for the first 
half century that I was there, <laughs> at least for the first, <laughs> for many, many years, I felt like I was pretty deeply in character. And then it began to evolve more into... Because you got braver. It, it got a little... I mean, was it, it just I mean, got a, just allowed myself to be a little more personal with right. it. Like it didn't have to... You know, one thing that we did there that we really don't do here is have that just a kind of like a wry misunderstanding of the facts. Mm. It's much more from the heart here. Okay. And that is something that evolved really over time with me to just like lean into the things I think are important. I don't have to put a spin on them. Mm. I don't have to pretend that I feel one way in order to eliminate that I feel a completely different way. Right. Like I can just drop into it okay. now. Yeah. But that was a long process. You know, at first there was a pretty wide distance between me and that mm. character for sure. So John Stewart presented that show for 16 years. Could you see yourself doing Full Frontal for 16 years? No. No? Oh, God, no. Oh, my God, <laughs> no. Oh, no. I don't know. I don't think so. I don't know when. I don't know what the future holds. I don't see that. I don't right. see that. We're in going into season four. If you told me I was still going to be doing this when I turned 62, uh -huh. I think not. I don't think so. I don't think any human should want that. <laughs> and why not? Just because of the relentlessness oh, of it? Or the... I think I want to live a happy life free of the news cycle at right. some point. I don't know when. We'll see. Does it feel like it takes a toll on your It does take a toll, for sure. Mm. It takes a toll. It takes a toll on all of us. Mm. Yeah. I read an interview with you where you said you, you just don't have time ever to see the latest movie or the Never. latest TV show mm -mm. Or, or read a book. So does that feel like a sacrifice that at some point you'd like to... I'd like to... You'd like to get back to the real world. Well, we had three weeks off. We had okay. a long okay. break over right. the holidays and it was so restorative and I read books and uh -huh. I did watch movies and right. I baked bread and I did all these things that I actually really like to do. Right. I made all these dinners. It was great. Yeah. So I've remembered what life was like. Okay. Before. So you're not a workaholic? <laughs> not at all. No. No, no, no. I like to do varied things. I like to do lots of different things, but I don't think that I need to. I don't. I definitely am not a 12-hour-a-day person who right. just wants to constantly. Mm -mm. Right. No, no, no. Not at all. And I've got kids. Like, my kids are little. I like them. Yeah. I like to be with them. We sure. enjoy each other. Yeah. I make them breakfast. I want to be in their So parent. how do you find um, that kind of balance between? I don't think there's any balance. I think I do a really poor job of it it's really bad and it's really bad for my health but basically i do this job and i parent my kids and there is no room for anything else like definitely right. there's nothing there's nothing left of me yeah because i take both things very seriously mm -hmm. and i take parenting more seriously actually i'm such a nerd but um, you know so if i'm not doing that part with my kids and my family i'm not a hu i'm not even human so i they shame me every day. There's like it's so humbling and great to be with them. It's just I need it every single day. Mm. So there's no balance. There's no like, hey, let's watch a movie at eleven o'clock at night. I mean, I don't know. That, that, that's not something that I recognize, but it's okay. Do your kids get, get that? Do they get no? Or are they, they just furious that you're going away all the time to work? They're just furious. Sure. They think they have it really rough. Right. I have to go to California. <laughs> I have to go to California in two weeks for one day. And then I'm taking a red eye so I can be back Friday morning. And they are they're very furious. furious at furious me. Furious you. They're just like, you're mother. never here. Right. You never do anything for us. Yeah. Oh. And it's so the, it's just. So is guilt a big engine because of that for you? No, I don't feel guilty at all. Because do you not? No, because I'm I'm doing I'm always there. <laughs> they're right. wrong. They're wrong. Oh, they're you're incorrect. Just, they're they're factually incorrect. They're factually incorrect. Okay. They do all of the shittiest work of parenting. I'm doing. I'm picking their laundry off the floor. I'm doing like all that super hard work. Yeah, <laughs> I do it all. So I don't feel guilty at all because I'm doing it. Right. They're That's wrong. good though. It's good to know, especially a, a Catholic child, to not be. Yeah, no, no, no. Not have guilt no, no, as an no. engine. It's quite rare. They'll understand it? when they have their own kids. They'll go. Oh, she did. That's a long way off. Though, yeah, she was in there. She was in the mix. But currently you're spending all your days getting very worked up about how badly the country is run. It's terrible. Is there any point where you feel, do you know what? I need to sort it out. I no. should. Oh, no. But, uh, what, but why job. not? You've got the skills, surely. No. You, can, you can think fast. You can talk. You understand the issues. I'm a curator. Don't you have a duty? I No. I am a curator of others. I think like I have uh, good ideas for other people, but uh, this is my work. This is my area. You don't think you'd be this good at it? This is where I, 
no, I think I would not be good at it because I actually think that's a much harder job than what I do. <laughs> and I'm not a workaholic as stated. I don't right. want that. Yeah. That sounds terrible. Mm. But I appreciate the good work of others and I'm happy to give them ideas if they're looking for ideas. Right. So you would contribute yeah. to a campaign. I'm you just to don't contribute. Want to this is just not, this is what, this is what I do. This is my sliver of a world. Not, to, not so many people can do this. So I'll do this while mm. I wish to do it. And, then, and what is, that job is it to be entertaining principally or is it to be like the fool and king lear who, t- who tells truth to power well i think it's principally to be entertaining i hope it's entertaining and then the second part of that is to be is to just speak this truth yeah and do you feel like satire has a power or does it always feel a little bit like i don't think it has so much well i you know i i'm not sure if it has a ton of power i don't know that it does but i do think that it has the i do think that it has the power of catharsis i do mm. think that people mm. benefit from knowing that somewhere out there there's someone who shares a point of view i think that's beneficial yeah. i think people go they just get so tense they just get so bound up and so it is beneficial to have someone say it all and be rude about it and be an asshole on tv and then everyone goes yeah yeah that's what i was thinking there's something to that i don't know that there's so much more than that but and as it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and you you get noticed more and more do you feel ever more responsibility to to be right to get it right to um i always feel the responsibility to get it right to get the to get my facts straight for sure I don't think I always nail it, but I try. Mm. You know, we had our own scandal with the whole Ivanka thing um, earlier in the yes. spring or whenever that happened. And that was a real learning curve for me. I never thought of the show as being watched by anything other than 10 people. Like I right. didn't. You called it, just for anyone who doesn't know, you called Ivanka a feckless cunt. I did. Mm-hmm. And that was not received had, particularly well by every corner of the no, it wasn't. chattering classes. It was not. And so I think that I learned a valuable lesson during that episode. I kind of, the but the lesson that I learned was, oh, this is a show that is watched by people. Like you okay. have, this is a platform. So how do you want to use this platform going yeah. forward? Like it's. Were you annoyed though a, that you, they got to. Of course it was yeah. so annoying. Yeah. It still annoys me. But you did apologize. I did because I felt terrible that the story that we were trying to tell, which was about migrant children, it was the first time that we had ever touched on the story of mm. child separation. Mm. It went largely ignored. I mean, I can't even count the number of news agencies with their kind of like faux concern. The narrative was very much within news circles. What an unfortunate choice of words. It's too bad that we were, you know, that we've all become so distracted and we can't focus on the content of the story, which I guess was maybe about migrant children or something mm. like that. And I was like, well, now is your chance. Yeah. Now you do it. Yeah. Okay. Yes, it was unfortunate that the what we were trying to say was completely consumed by this media frenzy over a word but that, that wasn't your fault. That it was, wasn't my fault at all. So no. that's up to did them. Did you have it? Was there a debate about how you deal with that, or did it just feel we've got to apologize to get in front of this? Or I did it because I was regretful that we did divert attention from something that right. because in the end they pulled the segment, and no one could see it because oh. of that. And then I felt like I just really had done a disservice to you know viewers of the show who for for whom it's a very sensitive word. It's not a sensitive word to me, but yeah, sure, okay, yeah. fine. Yeah. And I felt like we did a disservice to the really valuable and really good segment that we had shot. Mm. That was the eight minutes preceding this one thing that came at the end, and right. so it was completely erased from the world, and that made me feel very badly. But right. we've obviously we've made up for it since then. Sure. At moments like that, are you kind of when there's a there's a sense of uh, crisis in the mm-hmm. workplace, does that sort of energize you, or does it? Do you just um, want to sort of hide under a desk for a minute? Well, you always want to hide under a desk, but we are. I am like running a big team of people, so you do have you to, though? Do you? Uh, would you sort of naturally just be under a desk, sort of hiding most of the oh, day? Oh, for sure, I okay. would be if I could be, but I can't be because no. there's 65 people here whose jobs and lives depend on yeah. me being a human yeah. person. Yeah, and so. It's an, then it 
sometimes it's an act. Sometimes it's just the best acting job of your life. Mm. Sometimes it's an Emmy award winning performance mm. of leader of 65 people yes. who really didn't want to come to work today, but who <laughs> has to stand in front of the yeah. entire staff and go, nobody panic. We all still probably have jobs. Yeah. Let me see what happens by the end of today, but I'll keep you all informed as things happen. But that's for the, for the shy girl who then has to go and, you sure. know, sort of deal with the executives and calm everyone down and, mm-hmm. I don't know, construct a statement or whatever it is sure. you have to do in moments like that. Is that, is that all, do you have to keep taking deep breaths or do you get, do you find a sort of, is there you part can of summon you that it. just starts, there's starts just pumping part. and There's just a part that's, this is just, I think just from experience and age, there's just a part of you that starts right. moving. Like you understand what needs to happen. You understand what the end result has to be and you just power through to get to right. that end result and then you know that at the, on Saturday you can take a breath and go, what just happened? Mm. What in the world? What in the hell did I just experience? Yeah. And then you can, there'll be time in the future to break it all down. But yeah. Now is the time to be strong. And when you do look forward do you, into the into the future, do you worry that you'll get mellow? Do you worry that the anger will go, that you'll... Or... Oh, love, that would be nice. I actually, you know, I, no, I don't, I'm not worried about it because it's not something that... There's no that, end. The anger, there's no end to the there's anger. No end. But also it's not something, it's not a frame of mind that I live in from moment to moment. Okay. I don't, I'm actually a pretty happy, this is so dorky, I'm actually a pretty happy and content person, so... When I'm called to be angry and called to like tap into all of that and I'm reading the news and of course it's aggravating, that's one thing. But when I'm not, I'm very conscious about separating myself from that. So it's not the substance of my life. When I go to the store, I'm not raging. It's not like, it's not as much a part of my life as I think people would imagine it to be. I'm not always, I'm not really mad in my personal life much at all. But you don't think you'll finish your life playing Miss Prism and the importance of being Ernest back at, <laughs> back at Stratford. Well, everyone would be very lucky if I did. I so would like really to see it. be good at it. Yeah. But fine. That's not where you're headed. You're not returning. I don't think to I'm acting. returning to. No, I don't no. think so. Just watch. I'll become. I'll slide into early dementia and then I'll just start. <laughs> I'll just start putting plays up in my apartment. And with 10 chairs. Yeah. And I will, you'll have to be in attendance and you'll critique me. Yeah. It was very good, Samantha. You did very well. Thank thank you. I knew it. (laughs) Nailed it. I'll be very arrogant about my, about my performance for sure. Uh, Samantha, thank you. I know you've got a show to put on. I very much appreciate you spending some time. This was so much fun. It was so good that you joined in. Thank you. I just, this is such a great pleasure. Thank you. For me. No, for me. Oh, shucks. Stop it. Okay. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. It was really fun. I'm sweating. Are you? To go deep inside (laughs) my lot of (laughs) self-reflection. David Tennant does a podcast with is a Something Else and No Mystery production. Produced and edited by James Deacon. Additional production from Chris Skinner, Steve Ackerman, Sarah Camlett, Josh Gibbs, Tom Koenig, Joel Freeman and Georgia Tennant. Next time. What would it take? Princess Leia. Princess Leia, yeah. You'd do Princess Leia? I would. I want that out there. Yeah. Yeah. You've not had any call from any of the various Star Wars franchises? No. I'm sure it's going to happen. Also from something else. Out to Lunch with Jay Rayner. Join Britain's biggest food critic for juicy conversations over lunch with top names in music, film, TV and comedy. Guests include Dermot O'Leary, Grayson Perry, Ashling B and Jamie Cullum. There was this girl I was dating at the time who um, it wasn't going so well with and we'd kind of broken up and she managed to turn up at the second set and, shall we say, had had a lot to drink. Did she heckle you? "Mm, If heckling involves trying to take my shirt off whilst (laughs) I'm singing... (laughs) 
Listen now in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all good podcast apps.